All right, let's stand up and give God some praise this morning. Y'all are excited to be in the house of God this morning. It's a glorious day that we hear that my God, my Savior, my King, and my Lord has sent His Son to pay the price that I couldn't pay. I can never stop giving Him praise for that because I'll never be able to fully pay Him back for that. And He doesn't require us to pay Him back. That's what's so amazing. He said it's a gift to you. Salvation. Amen. Let's go. You call. 
sin was heavy When chains break at the weight of your glory I needed shelter, I was an orphan Now you call me a citizen of heaven When I was broken, you were my healing Now your love is the air that I'm breathing I have a future
You're gonna hear my praises roll And up from the ashes Hope will arise Death is defeated The King is alive And I'm gonna sing In the middle of the storm You're gonna hear my praises roll up from the ashes. Hope will arise. Death is defeated. The King is alive. Oh, and I'm gonna see in the middle of the storm louder and louder. Gonna hear my praises roll up from the ashes. Hope will arise. Death is defeated. The king is alive. Aren't you glad that the king is alive? That your hope is in him. It says, look to the heavens where your hope comes from. Don't look at your situation and your surroundings. But look at the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Look at the Prince of Peace and the bright morning star. Because there is your hope. There is your solution. There is the answer to your problems. There is the answer to your financial situation. It's King Jesus. It's not everything around you. It's not in your own strength. It's not in what the people around you can do for you. It's but for what the King he says. He says, draw close to him. Put him first. And he'll take care of all the rest. Sometimes your eyes are just in the wrong place. I can't find the way out, God. And you're crying out to God. And you're, you're on your face maybe and on your floor in your house. And you says, God, I can't find it. I can't find it. And he says, but can you find me? Find me. Put your eyes on me. And just begin to say, oh, hell, King Jesus. And everything else begins to fade away. And, and solutions that you never thought were possible begin to come to fruition just begin to worship him lift him up praise him don't make your problem bigger than your God he's bigger than anything else in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth what is your problem to the creator that spoke the stars into existence that knows them by name knows every situation in your life so all hell King Jesus blood 
one final breath and it was finished But not the end we could have known For the earth began to shake And the veil was torn what sacrifice was made As the heavens rose All hail King Jesus
You are Yahweh. And we lift you up. Join with the angels and begin to just lift him up. Begin to just worship him. Forget about forget, forget about all the things that you, you've been asking for. Forget about the, the blessings you've been asking for. Forget about the healing that you need. I know that sounds crazy. Forget about it right now. Draw nigh unto him. Draw close to him. In this moment. Begin to glorify him. Begin to lift him up. He knows about all those other things. He knows about your situations. He's not, he's not blind to them. Take this time to worship him. We lift you high, Yahweh, Yahweh, you're at
there's no one else. There's no one else. There's nothing else.
because it's sing my beloved beloved is the most beautiful among thousands in thousands Everything that I have belongs to you. Everything that I am belongs to you. Everything in this world belongs to you. It's all yours. It's all yours. You sit on the throne, not me. You sit on the throne, not us, Lord. You are King. You are Lord. You are Savior. You are Redeemer. You are the Healer. You are the Provider. You are the Creator. You are the Great I Am, the Prince of Peace, and the Bright Morning Star. You are the lamp unto my feet, and you are the light to my path. You are the Great I Am. There is no one above you. There's no one beneath you. There's no one beside you. You are my Lord, my Savior, my King. Is the glory forever? Amen. And yours 
Father, I thank you for being in this place. I thank you, Father God, for honoring us with your presence. I thank you, Father, for being here. You said our expectations will not be cut off and we expected you to be in this place. You said we're two or more gathered in one accord. There you are in their midst. We thank you for being in this place. There's more than one or two in this room that is worshiping you. I know that you are in the midst of us. I thank you for that, Father, and I pray that as we go forth in this service, Lord God, that we will not move out of your presence. As we go forth in this service and the preaching comes forth, I pray that your anointing will be on every word that proceeds out of his mouth. There will be no flesh. There only be Spirit speaking, the Holy Spirit speaking, that it will cut through the hearts of every person in this place. Your word is a double-edged sword that cuts. I pray, God, that you would begin to mend the hearts. You begin to tear down the walls so that the word can be received. I pray that you'd begin to tear down every wall, every hurt, God, that you would tear down every offense that we have put up in our hearts that we've dwelt on and become a cancer inside of us that Lord that now all that be left is a soft and fertile soil for your word to grow in that God if we rooted ourselves in something else God we, we put it aside we deny it we burn it up we put it at your feet and let your holy fire just, just get rid of it annihilate it I don't want to just put it down at the altar in front of you, Father. I want it to be burned up so that I can't pick it up again. So that I can't pick it up again. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, Father, I just lift you up. I glorify your name, not my own. To all the honor and glory and praise be unto you, my Father. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Aren't you glad to be in the house of the Lord? Where the king, when the king steps in. I want to be where the king is. Amen. Amen. I thank y'all for coming this morning and worshiping with us. It is my, I, I'm, I love to worship. I could go on and on and on and on and worship. I love to worship and God has created us to worship and praise him and glorify. He, lift, he gave you these hands to lift before him these knees to bow before him and worship him. I just love him. I love coming together with, with other believers and praising him. I can praise him at home. I can worship him at home. I have, we have pianos and, and guitars and drums and stuff at our house. It's wonderful. We play and uh, we all get, we get together and play our family, uh, all of us. Uh, and we, we play, but there's something different when we come into the house of God and the believers and the saints begin to corporately worship God. He's called us to worship him all the time, but as a son, he's also called us to come corporately and lift up one voice. Why? Because we're all different. We all come from different backgrounds. He's delivered us all from different things. So your praise is different than my praise. Your worship to him is different than my worship. The way you glorify him is different than the way I glorify him because he delivered me from different things than he delivered you. Everybody's different. Everybody's testimony is different. Therefore, all your praises 
are different. But when we come together in one accord, in one house, and begin to lift them up, all those different testimonies and all that worship from different areas of life get together, and it makes a beautiful, sweet harmony to lift up to God and a sweet sound in his ears. Amen. Amen. Uh, Pastor Bob is out this week. He is uh, he's over in Foley where he goes for Thanksgiving just about every year uh, over there. He went a week early this year so he could be home for Thanksgiving this time. But uh, he's over there preaching at the church in Foley where he preaches uh, every year quite a few times over there. They like him over there and they love to hear him and he, the way he preaches and different things. I know we're blessed to have him. I don't know about you, but uh, I've been different places and he's he's an amazing preacher. He, he's, he's always rightly dividing the word of God. I can always trust when I hear pastor preaching that I know he spent time making sure what he was saying is accurate. Because you have to watch as people that will come and preach and they take one scripture. I mean, but the time we was talking about that earlier, take one scripture and that's, and they, they build the whole thing off of this one scripture. But let me tell you, you got to constantly get into word and make sure that that word is correct and not taken out of context. And I know that pastor does that every week. And I don't know about, if you haven't noticed it, take notice. God has used him mightily. He's put him at such a time as this. But he's out of town, so this this morning we have the pleasure of having Brother Tommy Falk come up and, and preach for us. And we're excited to hear what God has for you, has given you to say to us and what the Holy Spirit is going to speak through your voice to us. So open up your heart and let's hear the word of God. Amen. Come on, Brother Tommy. Bless the Lord. It's good to be here. It really is. And um, during worship, I uh, put together three sermons while we were there because it was so good, so much of the Word of God preached in worship. And uh, when that happens, that's always exciting. I I was thinking about a a good friend of mine, David Ravenhill. Um, His dad was Leonard Ravenhill. He uh, spoke one time and he was talking about um, how, of course, Old Testament, New Testament, Revelation, how the angels just bow before the throne and cry, holy, holy, holy. And then they come up and then they go down and they cry, holy, holy, holy. And he said, the reason they do that is because every time they come up, they see a new characteristic of God that they've never seen before. And then they go back down and say, holy, 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 and come up. And then they see something new about the Lord that they've never seen before. And then they go back down. And this happens for all eternity. And I thought about that while we were worshiping. That's um, the essence of just saying, God, we can't say that enough about who you are as the creator and the one who loves us and changed us. And I know many in here today, and uh, I know many of you have been touched and transformed by the power of God. But let me ask you, by a show of hands, how many of you have been radically changed by the power and the presence of the Lord? Now look around before you, before you put your hand down, look around. Now come on, let's give God praise for that right now. That's an exciting thing every time. I love to ask it every time because we declare, the Bible says, by our word of our testimony, by the, the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, what? That we have overcome the enemy that tried to destroy our lives. And uh, as I'm here today, here at Life Church, it really is a privilege. And Lisa, my wife, is here, and she didn't always get to do that for a lot of years, and it's so good to have her here today. Pastor Bob and Sister Amanda and all of you were just so glad to be here sharing. How many of you are just, as a, just a second, how many of you are preparing for Thanksgiving? Isn't it a wonderful time, though? It's a great time of year to touch lives. Our families come together. Use it for the Lord. Um, the, when Lisa and I first came to the Lord in September, 
10th of 1984. That's right. Thank you. See, that's, that's the beauty of pastoring all those years. You have your wife on the front row to help you along in dates and things like that. But September 10th, 1984, when we came to the Lord, that Thanksgiving, with everything inside of me, with my palms and my hands sweating and everything, I said, can I, now Lisa's family, we were at her home, her family, and um, uh, they had known me for a lot of years. Lisa and I are childhood sweethearts in seventh grade. And so they'd known me for a long time and had seen me do a lot of things, right? How many of you know what I'm talking about? And so when I said, could I just share for a moment? And they looked at me like, yes. Uh, and I said, you know, the Bible says to give thanks in all things, whatever we eat, whatever we drink, but in all things to give thanks to the Lord. Can we do that? And they said, well, okay, uh, would you like to pray? And then we got to pray, and then we had a Thanksgiving meal. But it's that simple, just to share the love of God in just a simple way. So how many of you are ready to just get into the Word a little bit? Come on, let's, let's dig in a little bit today. Let me go ahead and, and share and just start with this. And that is in uh, 1996, the end of 95, 96, right in that area, um, I was working here at a local uh, dealership. I was service and parts director, and... Um, and I had three opportunities. Within just a, a few days, I had three phone calls. We had been successful uh, and had gotten, I guess, a little notoriety. And I had three phone calls from uh, kind of in the area to go and go to work for these dealerships, large dealerships, okay? And so in that time, all three opportunities were, now this is 96, and all three were six-figure incomes with perks and things like that. So one of them was in Denham Springs, right? Was that a dealership there? One of them was in Shreveport, Louisiana, and one was in Longview, Texas. And, uh, and so as I went to the Lord about that, I began to pray. Now, many of you would say, well, Tommy, you know, an increase in income, it'll give you the opportunity to give more to church. You can bring your family to better schools. Come on, your wife can drive a better car. You can have a better house. Come on. Everybody's thinking, oh, that's God. You got to take that, right? You got to take one of those that's God. Well, is it really? See, in, in my opinion, all three were really traps. And I'm going to give you the information here this morning of what we're talking about. You see, what you don't know is within the next 6 to 12 months, let me tell you what happened in all three of those dealerships. Now remember, if I had done that, well, I would have asked my family to root up all of we both were from Abbeville. We would have had to root up our families, move, sell our home, buy homes, schools, our kids. We had a, a loving church we were serving in, right? Come on. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? All of those things we would have had to lay down and go and start something new. Let me tell you what took place in those next 6 to 12 months. The dealership in Denham Springs, uh, the gentleman sold the dealership, came in fired every manager and brought in their own new team of people. The dealership in Shreveport, the owners embezzled all the money. Nissan came in and shut the dealership down completely. And in Longview, Texas, they brought in a management group that fired every manager and brought in an entire new team there. Now, what I'm trying to tell you is this, is that not every opportunity is God. 
And I want to show you that through Scripture. You go, Tommy, that's an interesting message at this time. I believe we live in interesting times. And there's always something, there's always something in front of us that is dangling the carrot, if we could call it that. But I want to share with you Scripture. Even uh, Brother Justin, he shared about Scripture. I was telling him that many, many years ago when I first came to the Lord, I remember listening to uh, Kenneth Hagin Sr. And he would say this, he would say this, he'd say, if you can't find three supporting Scripture to anything that you have, then you just need to put it on a shelf until God shows you something else or just forget about it. In other words, the Word of God is really is its own teacher. Are you all getting what I'm saying? Where you take the word and it really goes back and forth inside of your spirit and teaches and grows inside of you. And so what I want to do is I want to go ahead and share something with you that will give you some um, insight into what happened here. Let's go ahead and read in Matthew 13. Uh, I appreciate the word of God. They're probably going to have it up there. We're going to go 18 through 23. Let me go ahead and read this to you, okay? And this is supporting what I want to present to you this morning. Starting in verse 18, it says, Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. This is Jesus teaching. He says, When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away that which was sown in his heart. This is he who receives seed by the wayside. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Those are interesting dynamics, right? So look at this. Now, when he received the seed among the thorns, is he who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. But he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word, understands it, indeed bears fruit and produces some hundredfold, sixty and thirtyfold fruit. Now, if we'll look back on verse 22, read it with me. It says, he who received the seed among thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of what? The deceitfulness of riches, right? The deceitfulness of wealth. See, this is exactly what I just described to you. You see, when I went to the Lord and I began to say, Lord, what would you have me do? Systematically, because we're still here, by the way, systematically he said no, no, and no, to which my wife said amen. And we're glad we're still here. When I think of that, I think of all the changes that would have happened in our life. When I think of all the ministry that we've done over these years, when I think of all the things we've been involved in, and when I think about what our children have walked through, our son Tommy is in Maine ministering even as we speak right now in a church. Our daughter, I think, is watching if it's live. I'm not sure if it is, but if it is, she's watching. Hello, Leah. And the things that they do there and the things that God has done in their lives and brought them along, all of that would have changed. Are you all understanding what I'm saying? Let me tell you what else. What, what I knew I had a call of God on my life. And do you know that just a couple of months later is when I got a call. We were already attending First Assembly here in Lafayette. But when the pastor said, I want you to come on staff full time. You see, none of that would have taken place. Are you all getting what I'm saying? 
Now you go, Tommy, that kind of sounds like bad news. God can redeem any of those things, right? Am I right? God can redeem those things. He could have taken us. There would have been setbacks. And he just said, okay, now what do we do and where do we go? Right? But I'd prefer to get it right the first go round. It's a lot less dramatic and a lot less difficult on your family. Come on, anybody with me this morning on that? And so I'm glad that the Lord was willing, and he always is, I guess should I say, is that I was willing to listen. Because you see, my wife would have said, Tommy, you're the head of our house. We believe you hear the voice of the Lord. We're going to go with you. But think how the enemy would have destroyed me if I would have done that. He'd have said, the enemy would have been there saying all the time, you can't hear the voice of the Lord. What makes you think that you know what he's speaking to you? How do you even know he's even speaking to you? You see, there's a thing that the enemy tries to do. He tries to get every opportunity to take God's glory and God's word out of your life. Is that, y'all understand what I'm saying when I say that? He takes every opportunity and that would have been one more. You see, in the midst of this, what would have happened was, is many things would have transformed. And my wife and I, that we retired from, for, you know, stepped aside at First Assembly, we were there 22 years. That would have never taken place. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying here? You see, what we have to know is what God is saying. And again, I just want you to understand, there's redemption always there with the Lord. But I'd rather just go, God, what are you saying now? And let's walk where you want us to walk, right? Come on. So with that, I want to share this with you. It was during this time that just a few months ago that in meditation, in prayer time, the Lord spoke this to me. And he brought these testimonies to mind after he spoke this. And this is what he spoke. He said, Tommy, the same spirit that binds you in debt is the same spirit that binds you in prosperity. Now, if you're with me, I mean, I've been around a little while. I went, what was that? And I said, Lord, you're going to have to speak to that. And for the next two months, it just broke it down, just scriptures and just going through what God was really trying to say. How many of you know that in the times that we live, that we have the opportunity to see some really things that could be very devastating, right? I mean, we see all the, the things that are happening in our economy and everything around us. Yet God promises to keep us, but we just want to walk with him. Anybody there with me with that? Come on. Are you with me this morning? He said, how many of you have ever been deep sea fishing? We got a, okay, this side, not one, but on this side, we got a bunch on this side, okay. So uh, I remember one time I went deep sea fishing with a great friend of mine and um, caught a 250-pound blue marlin. Come on, tag and release, that's exciting. Took about 30 minutes to get it in. That was adrenaline, I'm telling you right now. But there's something that's on every sport fishing boat or every larger boat that goes deep sea fishing there's something that's on it that they always carry with them. Now you go, well, fishing gear and all of those things. That's all true. The hooks that they use to catch a fish like that is razor sharp. Now, if you've never felt a razor sharp hook like that, I mean, I'm talking a surgeon could do surgery. It's so razor sharp. And normally there's a double hook. So what happens is if they're pulling in and something happens and that hook gets caught in you, there's only one way it's coming out. That's called surgery. It's not coming out of you any other way. And so every boat carries on the boat morphine, a shot of morphine. Because they have to, they're either 50, 75 miles offshore, and they got to bring you all the way in, bouncing all the way in with this hook in your body giving you pain. 
Now you see, what you have to know is that when the Lord spoke that to me, these examples started popping in my mind. You see, the enemy, it says, the same spirit that binds you in debt. How many of you know anyone that's, that's been bound in debt? Maybe that's been you. I know that early on, Lisa and I did some of those things, didn't make great decisions. It's like a hook. The enemy comes in and he hooks you. You see, he gets you to make decisions. You make those decisions and then he goes, I've got you. Just like I did to that 250-pound blue marlin. I've got you. And you see, the thing about a hook is, is that every time you move, it hurts. Come on, it hurts. If you've, if you've ever just fished for brim, a little bitty hook, and you get stuck in you or something like that, that hurts. And every time you try to make a decision to get out of debt or to make a decision towards that, every time you try to make that decision, the enemy goes, whoa, come back. And he pulls on that hook, and he shows you how much pain there is involved in that. And then he begins to tell you the pain that's there on the decision-making side. And then he tells you how much pain there's going to be to try to get out of it, and you'll never get out of it. But God's here to tell you that you absolutely can. But what I want you to understand is that not all debt is bad. Come on. You know, some of you know i got a little bitty coffee business. I've got uh, about 10 pallets of coffee. They are ready to be roasted right now. That's a little bit of an investment, right? Talk to me after, I'll let you know how much of an investment that is. The, the issue with that is, is that it's pretty much pre-sold. I mean, these are business decisions, and that's good debt, okay? But how many of you know there's bad debt? <laughs> there's, there's, there's some bad debt out there. Well, guess what? According to what we've just read in Matthew 13, not all prosperity is good. You see, if you notice, it says the seed that was sown among thorns. Anybody ever stuck your hand in a bunch of thorns and tried to get it out? You're going to get hooked, and it's going to be painful. And I thought that was interesting that God gave me those two examples. And you see, as you reach in, there's thorns. It's the deceitfulness of wealth, the deceitfulness of riches. Come on. You see, what the enemy was trying to do was to entice me in to more money, more accolades, maybe more position. Come on, are y'all hearing what I'm saying? And you better know what God is saying because he knows what's on the other end of that decision. And God wants us to walk in what he wants us to walk in. He says that, you know, I, I walk, walk in the steps of the righteous, right? He says he will lead us each and every day. Let me give you one more example here. In Matthew Mark 10, let's just go ahead and read that together. Many of you know the uh, term, the rich young ruler. How many of you have heard of that, right? Well, I never thought of it in these terms until God began to give me these examples, right? Mark 10, we're going to start at verse 17. Let me go ahead and read it to you. It says, now as he was going out on the road, again, Jesus, one came running and knelt before him. So in other words, he's running and basically slid into Jesus. Now, you know he was a rich, young ruler. There's no way old guys like me could have done that, right? How many of you know that he had to be young to run and literally slide into Jesus? Come on. I mean, sometimes we read the Word of God and we just read it like it's nothing, and then we just move on. When God is trying to tell us things, here's a young man that comes before him, and he says, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life. What can I do? 
And Jesus responds, why do you call me good? There's no one good but one, and that is God. And then he begins to proceed to say, you know the commandments, don't commit adultery, do not commit murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your mother and your father. Right? And he gives it them that list, which is basically the lower five, except number 10, it's nine, eight, seven, six, and I think five. And he says this, teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Now, y'all have read this, right? You've heard messages on this. But let me give you just a little bit of a, a little shift here. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him. That's highly important. This is why. He says, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have, give to the poor. You will inherit treasure in heaven. Come back, take up your cross, and follow me. And we know the end result. He was sad at this word, went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Now, we don't know what happened after that. As far as I know, we never get another account of what happened with this young man. We don't know. But at this moment, we know that he walks away sad. But I want you to see something. That before Jesus ever speaks to him about the issue of his life, it says that he loved him. You go, Tommy, is that just ooey-gooey, mushy love? No, no, this is what I'm trying to say. In other words, Jesus looked at him intently. And within only the way Jesus, and the way that he gives us the ability to do it, looks at him and says, young man, there's something you lack. Now, whole doctrines have been created on this. Whole movements have been created. Sell everything, follow Jesus. You know, I tried doing that when we were first saved, and Lisa said, uh, God may be asking you to do that. He hadn't asked me to do that. <laughs> I'm so glad that I had a wife that had brought a balance into my life because, as she will tell you, I was ready to do anything and everything at the drop of a hat. And she was like, I don't know if you're aware of this. We have a home and cars. And by the way, you have children. And, uh, and, you know, I mean, you know, we have to think about that. Aren't you glad that, come on, well, I'll just speak for husbands. Aren't you glad your wives are good at corralling you in? Okay, I'll leave that there. Jesus looked at him and loved him and says, there's something you lack. You see, what Jesus was trying to do was speak right to his issue. Isn't that what Jesus does? Isn't it a, you know, can I, can I tell you something here? Don't do what this young guy did young gentleman on the front row. Watch this. When Jesus asks you a question, don't tell him you know the answer. <laughs> Ask him and say, uh, Lord, I have a thought, but what do you think? That'd be a great way to respond, right? No, 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 Jesus. I've done all of these things. <laughs> Am I right? That's exactly what happens, correct? And Jesus looks at him and with love says... There's something you're lacking. I have an image, if you'll go ahead and put it up, and it may be difficult for you to see, but I'm going to go ahead and explain to you what this is. So on the left is the Ten Commandments. On the right is in our utility room where my four grandchildren have been writing, uh, have been marking where their head is over the different years. And uh, that's uh, Andrew, Aaron, and Asher, and then Henry at the bottom is the number four. And then as they've gotten older, they keep going up. And as a matter of fact, both of those families from Maine and Texas are going to be with us at Christmas. 
We're going to have new things to write on the wall. Praise God. Can somebody say praise God to that? And so uh, we love our kids too, but how about grandkids? Those who have, okay, never mind. All right. So up there, that's, what, that's what's showing. Now I want you to see, you see where Henry is right there? So that was, okay. Henry's the bottom one. You may not be able to read it, but it says Henry has a date next to it. So I, wanna, I want you to see something. So in a Hebrew family, as we know, they wrote the Ten Commandments on the doorpost, correct? They wrote the commandments on the doorpost. And so that every time their family, adult or child, would walk out the home, they would see the Ten Commandments before they ever walked out into the world. Now, with that happening, I have kept all the commandments since a little boy. So let me ask you a question. Which commandment did he see the most? Starting from a little boy. Number one or number 10? Number 10, because it's low, correct? I'll never forget, I walked in my utility room and the Lord just went, there's your answer. Look at this. What is number 10? Thou shall not covet. You rich young ruler, don't covet your possessions. Go sell everything you have. Give it to the poor and come and follow me. Why did Jesus speak that? Because he was speaking right to the issue he thought he had no problem with. You see, that's exactly what Jesus does with us. And I was picking on you guys, but here's the, here's the point to this. Is that every time we think we have something all worked out, Jesus goes, let me show you where you don't have it all worked out. And he puts his finger on it and goes, boink. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? I've been there many times. I just got tired of him going, doing that. You know, I just go, Lord, what is it now? You know, you understand what I'm saying? Because there's always something that he's working on, dealing with, speaking to in our lives. And you see, the rich young ruler, the same spirit that binds you in debt is the same spirit or hook that binds you in prosperity. You see, he could not give it up. Why? Because when he had to think about doing it, now, he may have later come back to Jesus and done that. We don't know. But at that moment, that hook was in him going, he's sitting there going, give up what? Turn over what? Give away what? Follow you. How many people have Jesus really said, come and follow me? In the sense of when he was walking earth. That's an interesting statement, right? Come follow me. Come walk with me. Come walk with us. And he counted the cost and said it's too high of a cost. Because why? Because the same spirit that binds you in debt, debt's easy to understand, right? But he bound him in prosperity. Let me give you an example of that. If, uh, you know, it's been very popular over the years, especially when I was coming up, to work offshore, work offshore 14 and 14, or 21 and 7, or 21 and 14. Come on, how many of you know what I'm talking about? Maybe some of you have done that, or had family members. And so what would happen is they'd go off and be gone for a while and come back. Well, one of the things is, is that if you're a young man, and it's mostly men, if you would be away that long, then your wife, your children wouldn't see you much, Correct? So in other words, you're being prosperous, but look what you're losing at your home front. And so you sit down with your spouse or with your wife, and you say, I, I know I've got to be home, honey. I've got to be with you more. I've got to be with the kids. They're growing up. They need me at home. You need me at home. I need to be home, right? I need you. I need the kids. It's not just a one-way thing, right? And he says, 
I'll, I'll start looking for another job that'll get me home. I'll be on land or I'll be home every night or four nights a week, something that'll work out and be a lot better, right? And he thinks on that and they come to that agreement. But it only takes a few hours or a day to go, you know, honey, if I work just six more months, you can have that new car that you wanted. Come on. You know, honey, if I just work just another year, we can get that house we've always wanted. You see, it's not only debt that has the ability to put hooks in us. It's prosperity. The desire, what the enemy says, you can't give that up. You can't walk away from that. Look what you could do if you could. You see, this is how the enemy wants to attract us into getting into things that we shouldn't get into. And how many of you know that finances is one of the greatest destructive forces in marriages? Now, that's a fact, right? And so we know that the enemy uses that and works in that to destroy. Now, let me tell you, this morning is not a Dave Ramsey message, okay? I'm not here to talk about Dave Ramsey. Now, I love Dave Ramsey, okay, but that's not what this is about. This is about saying that you need to seek and I need to seek and we, as the body of Christ, need to go before the Lord and say, God, is that something you want me to put my hand to? Is that something that you want me to engage my life into? Lord, is that something that you, want me to, that you would want me to do that's going to involve my wife, that's going to involve my kids and extended family? Come on. Are you with me on that this morning? And you see, so as we look at that, let me go ahead and give you some stats that's interesting that will speak to this right now. We look around and it's like we never have enough. Let me, let me tell you something. I have a friend that has a $7 million yacht. Recently, it was uh, uh, damaged in a storm in, in the ocean and had to abandon it and left it in the ocean before it could go back and retrieve it had to get the military of the local, I don't want to say too much, had to get the local military to come and help him get on the boat and grab it. Okay? Now, in the midst of that, he told me this. He said, I already had plans that was going to take three more years to build like a $15 million yacht. And the question is, when is it enough? And this person told me this, said, Tommy, I sat there and just went, when is enough enough? And he said, I, I want to get together with lunch with you so we can talk a little bit about that. But he said, but I've already canceled the other yacht. He said, God's already dealt with me on that. I've already canceled that. I'm rethinking everything. Are you all with me? See, it doesn't matter what level you are at. The same thing applies to each and every person. The enemy wants to hook you no matter where you are. Because this individual is multi-multi-millionaire, and, and it seems like enough is never enough. And I know many like that. I've sat with many of them. Come on, are, are y'all with me here today? See, it doesn't matter whether you, you feel like you're lower realm in something or higher realm. It doesn't matter how you view yourself in that. The enemy's approach is the same no matter what. Let me give you one more example. 1 Timothy 6 says this. Now, godliness with contentment is great gain. See, this is what God is trying to speak today. For we brought nothing into this world. Now, you know, you hear people say that all the time, right? You can't take it with you. How many of you even realize that was actually scripture? See, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Isn't it glad to know that God had all this in mind? And having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. 
What he's saying is there's things that bring contentment. You know, when I was growing up, we didn't have much. I wore the same shoes, one pair of shoes for multiple years until I just grew out of them. Come on. We were six kids. It just, everything got passed down. I had three older brothers. Man, it just got passed down, right? But you don't know that when you're a kid. You don't understand all of those things. You're content with the love of a family, which we had, and, and all of those things. Come on, you with me on that? But you see, godliness with contentment is great gain. And I believe that this is what God is trying to speak. God's not anti-growing and prosperity. We see that through all of his word. But it's doing it his way and in his time. Can anybody agree with that this morning? His way and his time. Let me read one more thing to you, okay? And I'll just paraphrase this. It's Matthew 13, 18 uh, through 23. Let me just go ahead and... and, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, not, not 13. It's Matthew 18, 21 through 35. But I'm going to go ahead and just paraphrase it. There was a man, it's an account of God's kingdom. This is what Jesus is saying. He said, there was a man who owed lots of money and begged the king to stay his hand of judgment. The, the king was trying to settle all of his accounts. That's what the Bible says. And his hand, he brought in the man. And the king said, hey, I'm going to go ahead and throw you in jail, you and your family. And that's it until you can pay it all off. You're going to have a hard time paying it off in jail, though. And he begged the king that he would release him so that he could go back to work or forgive him of that debt. How many of you are understanding that that biblical account? He said, because it can't be paid, he threw him in jail. But here's what happened. The king releases him, forgives him all of his debt, which, by the way, there are different people that give amounts on that debt. But it's multi-millions all the way to a billion. But let's just go with multi-millions, okay? Can you imagine being forgiven a multi-million dollar debt? It was there and it's gone. Surely you would go to the person who owed you money and go, man, I'm releasing you from that debt. You know what just happened to me? I'm going to go ahead and do the same to you. But you know what? That's not what the Bible says took place. What the Bible says is that he went back, found a man who just owed him thousands. Now remember, millions, thousands. Millions, y'all with me? Thousands. Let me say it one more time. Millions, some people say a billion, thousands. And he goes, I can't pay you, please have mercy. No, sorry, throws him in jail. The king hears about, there were people that understood that went on. They went back to the king because they knew what he had done told the king what took place, the king brings that man back in and says, I can't believe you did that, and throws him back in jail, him and his whole family. You see, what happened was the same spirit that binds you in debt, the man who owned millions, was the same spirit that bound him in prosperity because he couldn't release the other people. The same spirit that binds you in debt that he owed the king millions, is the same spirit that bound him that he could not let go of anyone else who owed him money. You see, he was caught on both sides. Debt and prosperity. He had to get his money. He had to do it. And you see, again, as we look at this, Lord, what are you really saying in this? You see, the enemy, again, wants to bind us in such a way that we can't move out from where we are. So this is what I'm trying to say. Every time we try to move, that hook that's in us goes pain, pain, pain. Come on, are y'all with me? Is that true? 
There's all that pain. And God says, I have a way to do that. My wife and I decided we're going to be this way. We're going to be debt free. We're going to do these things. And I'm just using us as an example. And it took years to get to that place. But those hard decisions early on, especially, and especially since everybody around you is getting new this and new this and new this, and come on, and all the temptation to do that. No, 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 we're going to stick with the plan. And I'm so glad my wife worked at a bank and went, no, no, no. I see things every day. We're sticking to the plan. We're sticking to the plan. This is the house we're going to live in. This is where we're going to bring up our kids. This is where we're going to be. And because of that, we're able to do the things that we do now, which is bless other people. I had a friend of mine who once said, this was many years ago. He said, when we were younger, and he said, I want to live in such a way that when I see a friend or someone needs something, I want to be able to write them a check, if you still write checks. I want to be able to give them what they need. He goes, I want to live a life like that. And I'll never forget that statement, how that struck me so deep at that time. And today it means more than ever. Let me give you a final example with this same binding in debt and binding in prosperity. There may be people today that would say, God could never forgive me because I have too much debt against God. There's too much. I've done too many things. Man, I've sat with a lot of people who have said a lot of things that you just go, wow. And they go, the debt's too big. And God goes, no, it's not. That's why I went to the cross, correct? That's why Jesus went to the cross, for that very, very purpose. Early on, I said, how many of you have been transformed by the power of Jesus Christ? 75% of the, of the room lifted their hands. You see? And this is what God is saying. How about the one who is bound in prosperity? I don't need God. I've got everything worked out. Come on. I've got it all worked out. But yet deep down they know when they go to bed at night, when they put their head on the pillow and it's dark and it's quiet, you know what's taking place internally. Am I right? You know what's taking place in their heart. I'm empty. Come on. I don't have enough. I'm, I'm still wanting more. As a matter of fact, that's what motivates both sides of this debt and prosperity. I don't have enough. That's what typically puts you there to begin with. And God's going, I want to be enough. And so this morning, let's just get right to this as a question. If we could, um, and Justin, if he's in the room, if you want to come up, that's great. But God has the ability to forgive us. He has the ability to work with us. He has the ability to work with us even at this very moment. You see, God has a plan for each and every one of us to walk in a way in some freedom. Freedom is more than just our flag, which I love, by the way. But it's more than that. It's, it's what we develop inside of us, the way that we walk things out. And so today, as, as we're here today, there may be some of you that go, man, Tommy, you don't know it, but I am literally, that hook scenario is exactly where I'm at. The pain of that, every time I try to move and make a decision, it's costly, it's painful. Every time I try to move, it's like I go one step forward and two steps back. Is there anybody can say, I know what that's like? You see, and today God is saying, I have a plan. The enemy has a plan and he's been trying to bind you. But God says, I have a plan. And I have a plan that will get you out of the scenario that you're in if you want to walk forward. 
It might be a scenario in a, in a situation where in re, even in relationships that are binding you, it's the same thing. It's a debt on your life. It's a weight on your life. And God is saying, I have a plan for that. And so let's just do this, if you would. It, it, it's not necessarily special. It just gets this between you and the Lord. If you would, just go ahead and just close your eyes and just right now, just say, Lord, how is the enemy or has the enemy been able to put hooks inside of my life? Lord, I know in the past, maybe you're saying this, I know in the past this has happened, but you've set me free. But Lord, are there any new areas that I've allowed the enemy to do that? Is that possible? Just let the Lord speak to you right now in that. And that there may be something, there may be an opportunity, there may be a scenario where the enemy has just crept in and put his hook inside of you. Doesn't mean that you don't know the Lord. It doesn't mean those things. All it means is, is that the enemy has just tried to bind you in some scenario that has put a weight of debt on the side of your life. And you may be here going, man, I got it all together. But let's be honest. Just like I had to do in those three opportunities were in front of me. Lord, are there some things that I'm engaging in that you understand what this is gonna do in my life and it's literally gonna put handcuffs on me and I don't even see it. Lord, are there scenarios like that right now? Just let the Lord speak to you in that. I'm telling you, God can speak literally milliseconds. And I believe the Lord is speaking to some of you right now. We've got some accountants in the room and they know exactly what I'm talking about when it comes to those things. Lord, I ask you right now that you would move upon people's lives right now, that they would say, Lord, I need you to speak to me in that situation. Lord, is that really how you see it? With your eyes closed, let me just say this. One time I asked the Lord a question and I have to be honest with you, I did not expect, I expected maybe an answer, but I thought I knew what the answer was going to be. <laughs> maybe you've never been there, but I have. And I said, Lord, is there anything, as we pastored Lisa and I, and I said, Lord, is there anything that is keeping our church from experiencing the fullness of who you are? And he immediately spoke to me and gave me a scenario. It wasn't even anything I had done. It was someone else, an authority within the body that had done something that affected the church. See, it, that's how easy it can be. Lord, I ask you right now that you would touch each individual right now, speak to each one of their hearts, and Lord, that you would set them in motion to trust you in any area of their life. I'm gonna ask you if this is you, if it touched you in any area, or even if you know someone you can stand in the gap for that you know is in one of those situations, would you just stand right where you are? We're gonna to come together in prayer and come in agreement. Is there anybody? Thank you, thank you. Anybody else? Go ahead and stand up. Look, this is, should be a good place to be able to do this. No judgment at all, trust me, trust me. The only thing we're gonna put judgment on is on the enemy to stop him right now. Come on, can y'all agree with that? That we stop the enemy from moving forward in your life or in your family's life? Thank you, thank you. Thank you for everyone that has stood, thank you. Lord, right now, we thank you right now for every person that has stood. Now, Lord, I don't know the circumstance, but you surely do, and you have the answers. 
Lord, right now that they would not be like the rich young ruler who walked away sad, but that they would right now say, Lord, I'm ready to start today to walk in your plan in this. Lord, I know you. I love you. I'm, I'm serving you. But Lord, in this area, I believe the enemy has tried to either deceive me or has tried to bind me in this situation. Lord, right now that you would begin to stop the voice of the enemy in Jesus' name. And that Lord, right now that you would begin to speak to them. I, I, I just heard the, the Lord. He's already told you that he said, this is already your first step. I can already hear God speaking to some of you. He's already said, this is your first step. Yep, someone was just shaking their head too. They were shaking their head, yes. See, that's how quickly God will say, I don't give you every answer right at this moment, but I am the answer. And right now, and at this moment, you can know I am the answer. See, that's the beginning where you say, God, I trust you over what the enemy is saying. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, I can sense in my spirit, man, right now. There's victory even now. I want you to grab hold of that principle. That by saying that, by grabbing hold of the hand of the Lord, there is victory right now. That the enemy is pushed back, even at this very moment. Lord, I thank you right now that, Lord, that they may feel a little bit of those hooks I was talking about or that the enemy has put in them. But, Lord, right now, I pray that you are the one that brings healing, that those hooks would be removed because you are the great physician. You are the great surgeon that removes the hook of the enemy that will not allow them to go forward in your plan. In the name of Jesus, we call that done right now. Come on, believe God for that right now. Believe God for that right now. In the name of Jesus, Lord, surgery, removing hooks of the enemy. Lord, I thank you for accomplishing that. I thank you for doing that today. We bless you. We honor you. The one last thing, and I believe there's already been some victory. If you're saying, God, I've committed too much debt, so to say. Let's call it debt. I've done too many things, too much debt. You can never forgive me. I've even heard believers say that. A wonderful book called Total Forgiveness was written by R.T. Kendall. He ultimately had to write a sequel to it, Total Forgiveness of Myself, because so many people came to him and said, I can't forgive myself. In the midst of that, right now, just say, God, I know I hear it all the time, but can that be real in my life right now? That you would begin and accomplish this forgiveness process in my life. Lord, we call that done right now. And for those that say, man, I don't need God. I pray right now that God would just grab hold of your heart right now and say, yes, you do need me. Right at this moment, you need me. And you don't even know it's around the corner. You need me right now. Lord, I pray that that would just ring, that you would use billboards to speak to them, that you would use road signs, that you would use commercials, that you would give them dreams in the night, speak to them. Little kids walk up and say things, Lord, that will just speak right to their heart, that they need you. And Lord, I pray that you would accomplish that today in the powerful, most profound name of Jesus Christ. Lord, would you all just pray with me? Could we all stand together? If you physically can, go ahead and stand with me and let's pray together. Lord, in this service today, and I just appreciate the worship and I appreciate Brother Justin and just the whole team that just allowed us to come into God's presence.
right now that same presence. Lord, I pray that you would just move on each and every heart, letting them know that you're walking with them, walking with them here today in this sanctuary and out there when they go to work, when they go to the grocery store and when they go back home. Lord, I pray that you would walk with them in every step of their life and that you would lead and guide them as no other can. We thank you, we praise you, and we magnify your name. And everybody agreed, said amen, amen, and amen. Can you give praise to the Lord this morning? I'm going to give it back over to Dustin. I appreciate you today. How many of you would say, Tommy, I got something out of today? Come on, let me see your hand. Praise God. Come on, let's give God praise one more time. Brother Dustin, thank amen. you. Amen. Thank you all. Thank you, Brother Tommy. And I just want to just dismiss us in prayer tonight, this morning right now. So, Father God, I just thank you for the time that we've had this morning. I thank you for the opportunity that we was able to hear your word. I thank you, God, that you allowed us to be here this morning. In the midst of all the struggles and trials and tribulations, God, we got to hear your word. Not of many places on the earth that we can do that. It's, it's, getting, it's getting shorter and shorter and smaller and smaller. The, the places that we can be that we can freely hear your word. And as of now, Lord God, right now we can still freely come together in this place. God, you have blessed us with this place. Be able to come together and hear the word preached. And just to pierce our hearts. So, Father, as we leave this place this morning, I pray, God, that we would not forget this word. But, Lord, that it would be birthed anew every morning when we wake up and be reminded of who you are when we put our heads down on the pillow at night. I pray for protection on every person that's going to leave this place today and that you'd walk with them every hour of every day and shine a light through them, Father. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. You have a great Sunday. Be kind to all the, re the restaurants, all the workers, and everybody remember you represent God. Amen. Yeah. <laughs>